Hey, and welcome to Grace Talks, a Christian women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. Today, we're going to be talking about the very first woman in the world, Eve. Stay tuned. Today, we're going to be going back to the very beginning, where the Bible tells us humanity started. Genesis begins with the story of the creation of the universe, and God's final act on the sixth day was to create Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Let's start by reading Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I will give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The first thing that we have to talk about is the fact that we are made in God's image. Isn't that wild? Before humans ever did anything, good or bad, They were blessed with sharing the image of the king of kings. Do you want to know what that means for all of us? It means that we all share his image. You, yes you, share God's image. It doesn't matter what you've done or haven't done. You have this inherent self-worth you never had to earn and that you can't lose. Big sigh of relief there, right? No one can take it away from you, not even yourself. That also means that every living human being has the same self-worth too. Even the people we aren't the biggest fans of are made in the image of God. A reminder that we owe fellow human beings respect and compassion. The other thing I want to pull from this passage, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. A little backstory for those of you who might not know or remember, at the end of each day of creation, God would look at what he had made and say those same words. Everything God created, he saw and claimed it to be good. But when he created humans, he called them very good. Do you ever wonder if each time a child is born, God looks upon that baby and says, very good? I like to think he does. And if that's true, he said the exact same thing about you. In Jeremiah chapter 1, God tells Jeremiah that before he formed him in the womb, he knew him. We're all God's creations. The difference is, spoiler alert, that the paradise Adam and Eve lived in fell. So as we grow up and fall into sin, we aren't very good anymore. But take heart. Jesus died and lived again, just to be able to stand next to us, to be the filter God sees us through, so that one day when we meet him face to face, he will look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, according to Matthew twenty-five twenty-three. One thing to note about the first few chapters of Genesis is that they aren't chronological. They don't follow a perfectly linear timeline. 
The passage we just read was chapter 1, but in chapter 2, it talks more about the creation of the man and woman. Since this is a women's podcast, we are looking at Eve. We are going to skip to her creation. But I will go ahead and fill you in that Adam was made from the dust of the earth and was breathed into life by God himself. He was put in charge of the gardens, but he was alone and the only species of his kind. Another important thing to know, the only rule was to not eat the fruit from this specific tree in the garden called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God warns Adam that if he eats that fruit, he'll die. Okay, so now that you're caught up, let's read Genesis 2, 18 through 25. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Keep in mind, our study here is about Eve. We could do a series probably on this passage alone, but I'm just going to pull some of the basic things that we can attribute to Eve and the ideal man and woman balance. Let's start with the concept of woman being a helper suitable for man. The term helper suitable in this passage are the Hebrew words etzer konegdo. Etzer is translated to help, to shield, to save, or to be strong, and is often used when describing how God protects his people or for nations that Israel appealed to for military aid. This means that etzer is consistently used elsewhere in the Bible in a military context. Konegdo is translated as opposite to him or corresponding to him. Combine the two together? A more apt description might be a helpful strength, complementary to man. If we continue to use the word helper in the passage, what did Adam need help with? Well, the only thing he was asked to do was to work the land and take care of it. Once Eve was in the picture, they were told to be fruitful and multiply, and it definitely takes man and woman to do that. Okay, so now let's combine this knowledge of what woman was created for with how Eve was created. She was formed from the rib taken from Adam. This is a saying you've probably heard before. She was not created by Adam's foot so he could walk on her, or from his skull so that she could lord it over him, but from his rib so that she could walk by his side, next to his heart so that he could love her, and beneath his arm so he could protect and care for her. Eve was created to stand next to Adam, to be his strength, his partner, As a woman, she was just as valuable, but they had opposite characteristics that complemented each other. This isn't to say that a woman has to have a man or a man has to have a woman to be complete. Paul even says in the New Testament that it would be better for people to never marry if they have self-control, because they could keep all their attention on God. There are plenty of other passages and even a book in the Bible that talk about marriage, but that isn't our subject today. Today, our subject is Eve. And Eve at this point in our story is perfect, unafraid, unashamed, and gets to speak directly to God. 
she also has a perfect, unafraid, unashamed husband next to her in the garden who was breathed to life by God himself. She's living in a beautiful utopia where death does not exist and there's only one rule. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so now that we've seen God's plan for humanity displayed in the garden, let's see what happens with the rest of the story and read Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You certainly will not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you are naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put my enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pain and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to your children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the Tree of Life. All right, so there's a lot to draw from here, right? Let's start with talking about who the serpent is, because that's very important. Revelations 12.9 and 22 both mention Satan as the ancient serpent. And Christians as a whole associate the serpent tricking Eve as the very first time Satan tripped up a human. As God says in uh, Genesis 3.15, there would be a rivalry between the devil and his offspring and Eve's offspring. Jesus has already won us the battle and will crush the serpent's head. But until then, while we're here on earth, we have to deal with the serpent's whispering in our own ears. 
What does that sound like? Trust me, you'll recognize it. God doesn't love you. You can't be saved. You are alone. Nobody cares about you. You're ugly. You're stupid and foolish. You're worthless. God isn't real. There are some people that just aren't worth saving. You're dirty. Aren't you tired of trying yet? Satan's other name? The Great Deceiver. Nothing makes him happier than your doubt, fear, and shame. I'm sure his greatest achievement to this day is when he convinced Eve of the same thing he convinces women of daily. That maybe God is wrong. Or worse, maybe not real. That maybe I know better or I could be on his same level. He convinces us to trust in what we see in the world instead of relying on faith in what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1 We get it in our heads that the things we desire we should be able to have. We see his commandments and think that he's just trying to deprive us of something or expecting too much of us. What we don't understand, just like Eve didn't, is that God is often protecting us from the consequences of what we want. He was protecting even Adam from the knowledge of good and evil, because with that knowledge became the choice of doing evil. With evil came sin and death. It even turned one of their future children into a murderer. If you read the story of Cain and Abel, that happens in just the next chapter. I can't imagine what it would feel like to know that one of my kids killed the other. Eve felt like she was being deprived of something and chose to believe the serpent's lies. The consequences? She was no longer allowed to share in God's presence in paradise. Her future would be filled with heartache and pain caused by sin. Her husband would rule over her instead of being equal partners, and she had to feel fear and shame. Thanks to her, we have to experience intense physical pain because we're women, but we're still, we also have to have the sucky experience of feeling fear and shame too. And we could villainize Eve because she made one mistake and the world as she knew it ended, but we make mistakes all of the time, like every day. The difference is that we have a hope because the knowledge we've received is the good news of Jesus. So where do we find ourselves listening to serpents? I'll give you mine. I hear the serpent whisper insecurities about my body if I spend too much time on social media. I hear him whisper doubts about my relationship with God when I'm too busy to spend time in prayer. I sometimes let him whisper into my ears that I'm not good enough or that I've made too many mistakes to be a good Christian. Maybe some of the lies that you hear involve you thinking you're not a good enough Christian because you deal with mental health problems. Maybe the lie is that something bad is happening in your life and it's just because God is punishing you. Or maybe the kind of lies you're hearing are, it's just one more time, no one would miss you, or this place would be better without me. This is me telling you that they are lies. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Check Psalm 139, 13 through 16. I'll read it right now. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you hear this? God knew about you before he created the heavens and the earth. He made you for a purpose. He looked at you when he created you and he said, very good. And one day, if you're a Christian, he's going to look at you and say, well done. Please don't miss this part of the message. God is for you. So flee, flee from what tempts you. 
Flee from the things that cause doubts and insecurities. Over and over, you're going to hear in the scripture to not be afraid, to not worry. God hates sin, but, as Romans 5.8 puts it, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So drop the shame. Stop believing in the lies and pursue the life God's ordained for you. All right, now I know I just said that we shouldn't villainize Eve. And we shouldn't. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't point out some of her bigger no-nos. Okay, because not only did she sin herself, but she encouraged someone else to sin, her husband. Adam was right next to her. So I guess we could blame him too. But as women, we should take ownership. Remember the term we just talked about? Aitzer? We should be strong. We should be a help to man, not a hindrance. Should men take more responsibility for their actions than Adam did? Absolutely. His response was that of a coward. But he isn't who we're studying. Eve shouldn't have sinned, and she definitely shouldn't have brought down Lo, who was with her. Same goes for us. As Christians, we're supposed to help build up fellow Christians and encourage people to do what's right. It isn't our place to judge anyone, especially non-believers, but we are supposed to lead by example and give solid advice when asked for. We shouldn't be like Eve, a stumbling block in someone else's faith. And there are lots of ways to be one. How you act as a Christian might make someone not want to be one. Do you know about the Pharisees of the New Testament? Long story short, no one likes a self-righteous hypocrite. Or if you claim to be a Christian, but follow all the ways of the world, that can confuse non-believers and new believers too. To sum it up, don't encourage sin. Instead, encourage love, forgiveness, compassion, uprightness, patience, kindness, and to draw near to God. Speaking of drawing near to God, did you notice what they tried to do as soon as they messed up? Adam and Eve tried to hide from God. Remember what I said in the last episode? That doesn't work really well. He's God, creator of the universe, and knower of every heart's intentions. He sees you. That might be intimidating, but it can also be a comfort. He, he does see you. He knows every little thing about you, and he still loves you. What was that other thing Eve shouldn't have done? She didn't lie to God, but she definitely shifted the focus of the blame onto the serpent. She could have just owned up to it, but I imagine that was a terrifying position to be in. Disobeying God and immediately having to face him? Like actually facing God. If I put myself in her shoes, she probably didn't have any shoes. Okay, if I put myself in her position, my husband just put all of the blame on me, and I just broke the one rule of the garden, and the God who created us from dust and then my man's rib was asking me what I'd done? Yeah, the serpent made me. That would have been my reaction too. Was it right? No. But as a fellow sinner who falls short in plenty of places, I get it. So where do we place blame when we sin? I'm talking about in the 21st century, because we all do it. When we let the day get away from us, do we blame our own laziness? Or do we say TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, whatever TV show you're watching right now is just so addicting and I lose track of time? When we have a little too much wine, do we blame our self-control? Or do we say, Jessica was really on me to have a good time and just kept giving me drinks? I could give a ton of other examples, but you know yourself. It's time to bring out the Aetzer, to be strong. Just remember, you can't do it on your own. You need God's help. You need fellowship that encourages you into the right choices. God wants what's good for you. And you should surround yourself with the people who want the same. 
Okay, last point. Let's go back for a second to when God clothed Adam and Eve before he sent them out into the world. He clothed them in animal skins. And that was the very first sacrifice. And it wasn't for God. It was for his people. That's called foreshadowing. Because thousands of years later, God was going to make another sacrifice. He would send his only son to earth to live as a commoner, to die as a criminal, and to raise again as the son of God and man. And this sacrifice clothes us just like God clothed Adam and Eve. Jesus covers our nakedness. He covers our shame and our shortcomings. He's our protection and our robe of righteousness. Do you remember Proverbs 31? She is clothed in strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. That's Jesus for us. Eve was supposed to be the perfect Aetzer Konegdo of Adam. But God is our perfect Aetzer, our shield, our protection, our savior. Okay, well, that's all I have on Eve for today. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we're going to talk about Rahab, and I hope to see you then. If you have any questions about the content, the Bible, or anything else, I'd be happy to answer as best as I can. And if you haven't heard it today, God loves you. I love you. You are important. You have value. And you have a purpose. All right, signing off. Bye.